We are still talking about prayer. Amen. Being encouraged by the Holy Ghost and by His Word to press in, if need be, to pray through. Amen. And continually for that to be our practice of life, to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I am convinced our greatest need as gospel heralds is to be men of prayer. Do you believe that? Amen. I think many times people say that, but they really don't believe it. It's something that uh, I've always been convinced of uh, in the very early uh, stages of my Christianity, knowing that I was called to preach and particularly taking the gospel to sinners that uh, the greatest need that I had was to pray. I I needed to know the Bible, yes. Um, I needed to be equipped and matured. uh, But most importantly was for me to know and to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. If I can't walk with Jesus, I cannot be equipped to do whatever God has called me to do. That is an absolute. And if, if people who profess to be Christians would believe that, uh, then they would be compelled to pray, amen. So often, people just think they can get this done in the strength of the flesh, but it cannot happen, amen. I believe God desires to impress upon us this one biblical absolute here this morning. If we do not pray, sooner or later, we're going to misrepresent the Lord Jesus Christ. If we do not pray, then sooner or later we're going to misrepresent the Lord Jesus Christ. Now last week we discussed prayer as the only way to true spiritual influence. And this morning, a very kindred thought reading from Matthew's gospel, one verse, the same verse that we used last week, Matthew 6 and 6. Jesus said, but thou when thou prayest, Enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and the Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Very simple thought here this morning, the key to public ministry. The key to public ministry. Father, we do ask, Lord, that you would touch our hearts that you would draw us unto yourself. Father, I pray, Lord God, for eyesight, that we might truly see, Father, that without you and without your spirit and without the anointing of the Holy Ghost, all is vanity. Father, we do have nothing to offer and nothing to give and nothing to say apart from the leading and the anointing and the authority of the Holy Ghost. I do pray, Father God, that you would make our need known. Each of us would recognize how inadequate we truly are apart from you. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Everyone say amen and amen. Now this we must know. True gospel preaching is far more than just intellectual communication. Mere words affect men's minds, but preaching is intended to expose the heart. Some men speak to appeal solely to human reason. Others seek to stir deep emotion. But the gospel preacher's aim is to awaken the human conscience. As it says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 2, by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And thus, the the gospel's influence is confirmed not by the sinner's feelings nor by his preferences or approval, but by his tormented and awakened conscience. Mr. Bounds said, all forms of sin and wickedness grow up and luxuriate under the eye and voice of preaching that never disturbs conscience nor awakens opposition. The preaching that has no repellent power will have no attractive force. The preaching that is not direct in its aim is a blank cartridge fired into the air. Let the church truly preach Jesus Christ and am crucified 
and wicked men everywhere will soberly confess, for the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Genuine gospel preaching, supercharged with heart-piercing, Holy Ghost unction is divine utterance projected to strike at the moral center of man to open the oozing, festering wound of rebellion and mercifully apply the salt of God's law, agitating and inflaming the conscience, making sin exceedingly sinful, amen? But you know, we live in a biblically illiterate age, amen, where true evangelism is shunned and true evangelism is rarely ever practiced, amen? And so the mentality among uh, professing Christians is exactly the opposite, amen? They'll do almost anything to avoid making someone feel guilt. Do you see how this is exactly opposite? Do you see that our confession, when we, our understanding of evangelistic preaching or really preaching in general is so much different than the modern evangelical church, amen? Listen to me, that mentality is anti-Christ. It's not just some you know, slight error or deviation from the truth or orthodoxy. It's exactly opposed to the mind of God and how God wants to deal with the human heart. Indeed, no man within himself can duplicate or replicate the Spirit's anointing as the heavenly applicator of divine law. Amen, the Holy Ghost. He is the master of conviction. And we have nothing, we in ourselves cannot convict anyone, amen? Now, it's going to uh, include us. You know, you hear people talking about let the Holy Ghost convict people. Uh, no, no, the Holy Ghost is going to use the church. How shall they hear without a preacher? But without the blessing, the unique supernatural blessing of God's spirit, amen, whatever we say, whatever we do, Whatever arguments we may present, they're merely going to be human in nature and they're never going to rise above the level of just human persuasion. There must be the anointing of God's spirit. Thus, let us understand, such utterance is completely beyond human origin or fabrication. You're not just going to stumble up one day and be anointed, amen? You know, it's not gonna just fall, amen, by happenstance upon the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It's something you must know you need. It's something you must specifically seek God for. And if you don't, you're not gonna have it. And I don't care how great an orator you are or how many notes you've got or what your arguments are, they're gonna fall to the ground if there's no anointing, there has to be heavenly unction. It's something you can't really put your finger upon. But those who have it, amen, and those who walk in it are effectual. And those who don't, amen, they're ineffectual. Indeed, no man within himself can produce this, amen. It's completely beyond human origin or fabrication. It's not merely men earnestly pleading, even earnestly quoting nothing but scripture, but it's holy men by faith, cooperating in that narrow way of God's spirit and the government of God's word, doing it God's way in God's timing, yielded to God's will, amen, allowing God to speak through us as vessels. You know, we were out there last week and uh, we began to preach at Mississippi State. And of course, you know, if they have a big rock concert out there or a big, uh, you know, uh, sodomite uh, protest or Black Lives Matter or Antifa or any other wicked thing, amen, they'd all be, you know, going somewhere with their girlfriend and having a malt or something. But all these effeminate, mamby-pamby, religious, uh, you know, they're all drawn to the preaching, amen. They're all stirred. Something takes place. And it is it any wonder, amen, as the Bible says, the preaching of the cross 
foolishness to the Greek, foolishness, amen, to the worldly wise man, but a stumbling block to the religious hypocrites. What do they do? They're pleading for sin, coming to protect the poor little sodomites from the condemnation of the word of God. They hate the light, amen. But they even quote the Bible, but it's dry, dead, lifeless, more than anything, effeminate, soft, effeminate, and without authority. Amen. This is the religion of Antichrist. And wherever there's a declaration of the word of God, it's going to stir. These are not, listen to me, friend. It, 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 this is the, one of the most fundamental things. When you've repented, you are against sin. You're not going to come out and defend it. You may not understand something. You may not understand evangelism, but you're not going to get between that wicked, vile sinner and between God. And that's exactly what that religious spirit does. It tries to step in between God and God's word and those whom God would convict and draw, amen, by his methodology, which is foolishness to all that perish. That's why they think it's counterproductive, because they're on their way to hell. I said, that's why they think this doesn't work. Anybody who will stand against biblical evangelism and say this isn't going to work just proves they're on their way to hell. Because it does work, amen. This is not man speaking about God, but rather it's God speaking through man. Amen, as Jesus said, for when he, the Spirit of God, has come, he will reprove the world of sin righteousness, and judgment. Amen. That's, you know, always a scripture I'll quote to those religious individuals. When the Holy Ghost comes, he's going to deal with sin, righteousness, and judgment. Amen. Read these banners here that you folk utterly hate and despise and critique. Amen. What, what's this, uh, the subject matter here that's being addressed? Listen to the preacher. Amen. And listen to what he's preaching. We're dealing against sin. Amen. We're preaching warning of judgment. We're lifting up Jesus Christ and his word in righteousness. Why is that? Because we're truly anointed by the Spirit of God. Show me a man that says he's anointed by the Spirit. He doesn't preach against sin. He doesn't lift up righteousness and warn of judgment. He's a liar. That's what he is. Every time, without exception. Every time. Is there any wonder the preaching of the cross is opposed by the religious? This and this alone constitutes preaching the gospel. If we fail here, we cannot fulfill the great commission. As the apostle Peter reminded us in his first epistle, 1 and 12 preached. In other words, the gospel was preached unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Amen. If we preach, we must preach with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. If we preach and we preach not with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, we misrepresent Jesus Christ. Amen. So our obligation then is to literally bring God and his word into enemy territory, to, as it were, unveil Christ to sinners who otherwise are never confronted with such a revelation. Sinners do not know Jesus. Amen? Sinners, amen, the natural mind receiveth not the things of the Spirit. Sinners, amen, cannot understand nor comprehend. There is none that seeketh after God. None that what? Understandeth. So it's the church that God has given that uh, moral obligation to bring a manifestation, a manifestation to reveal a revelation of who God is to that world and those religious people. It says in Titus 1 and 3, but hath in due times manifested his word. Who is his word? Jesus, through preaching, amen, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. You see, secondhand information is not enough. A mere caricature will not make the difference. 
You know, there's a difference between showing someone a picture, amen, and having a firsthand exposure. You know, you could show a picture of the Grand Canyon, but if you're there in person, amen, it's such a chasm between the experience. Isn't that right? You know, I could show you a picture of Antifa, uh, rioting pa- uh, last summer, whether uh, po- uh, pictures of Portland or Seattle, and I could choose the most graphic pictures of property being destroyed and people being injured by that unruly crowd, amen. But the difference, amen, if they are surrounded this church here this morning, Black Lives Matter and Antifa armed and screaming at the top of their lungs to do away with the Christians. How many of you know the experience between seeing a picture, amen, and actually being in the presence of those rebels would be totally and completely different? Well, so it is, amen. Uh, Just a, a character, just passing on secondhand information about God is not going to do, amen. God is to manifest himself by the anointing of the Holy Ghost as we declare his word. What is the key to such divine utterance? I believe the answer is found in Jesus' words that we read in Matthew 6 and 6. And I see three simple and obvious things that are communicated here. First of all, secret prayer always precedes public influence. That's an absolute. People that do not have public influence are not praying. People that do not have public influence are not praying. And people that do always pray. But thou, when thou prayest. Notice Jesus said when and not if thou pray, amen? Hence prayer is a command. It is a moral obligation. It is a moral duty. It is one of the most fundamental absolutes of the Christian discipline. Likewise, the innate desire, as we've discussed many times in this series, that innate intrinsic desire to the new creature to know God and to walk with God, amen, abides within the stewardship of life. We read earlier in this series, we preached a whole sermon on it, Luke 11 and one, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Hence, the establishing of a consistent and dependent devotional life is a universal norm for the experience of Christian maturity. Again, we mentioned this earlier in another message. Amen. If we're anything but new believers and yet fail to discipline ourselves to truly seek God and regularly commune with him, we are at best spiritually immature. Amen. But more than likely, we're self-deceived. There's just there's going to be religious hypocrisy. And if you are a young believer and you don't purposely hear God, amen, because this is going to be one of the first things the Holy Ghost is going to do with you. Amen. If you put this to the side, if you justify, if you make excuses and refuse to establish a consistent prayer life, you are going to remain in spiritual uh, infanthood throughout your Christianity and ultimately being vulnerable in the spirit. Amen. Lots of trouble is going to arise. You're going to have to adjust that. I would dare say that in the church, in this church, where you have individuals that have been born again, supposedly for five, 10, 15 years, and yet they really have never prayed through, at the very best, they are spiritual babies. It's impossible, amen, to truly grow in the Holy Ghost if you refuse to walk with Jesus intimately on the personal level. We often hear Christianity described as a personal relationship with God the Father, through Jesus Christ, and so it is. And yet, who ever heard of any relationship beyond a casual acquaintance void of communication? You know, some of you talk more to your parents than you do to Jesus. 
Some of you talk to a sibling or another brother and sister. I mean, really think about it. I'm talking about true communion. Some people spend more time on the phone talking to their lost relatives than they do to the Lord Jesus Christ. What a reproach. Thus, we must be made to see. Our first obligation as Christians is to know, to love, and minister unto God. Do you understand that? The first command, what? To supremely love God. Your first obligation, my obligation, my first, more important than my love for my wife or my children or for you or for the lost is to minister unto him, to love him, to communicate, to share, to receive, to listen. Amen. I want you to think about this fact. Unlike other human relationships, which may be limited by time and location, as Christians, we can, if we so desire, Fellowship with God anytime. Now, see, I want you to lay aside any excuse, any default ideas of justifying the reality of the situation. Amen. There's no reason, you see, if, if, if a family member moves across the country, well, that's going to limit what sort of fellowship you can have with them. Any human relationship, time, geography, it can affect and limit, amen, the intimacy of that relationship. And so it could be understood that, you know, my parents live in Baton Rouge and I live here and so I don't see them that much and I talk to them, you know, on the phone occasionally. But, uh, you know, that those relationships are going to suffer somewhat because of time and location. But that's not the case with God. Because as Christians, the veil has been rent. And through the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ, I can by faith fellowship with him just as much as I want to. The only reason or you know, the quality of the depth of your prayer life is based on one thing, your desire or lack of desire for God. You pray exactly as much as you want to. And that's the only reason. There are no other reasons, and you have no other excuse. Throughout the book of Exodus, we read these words regarding the priest's office, that he may minister unto me. And this covenant, we're all called priest unto the Most High God. And we are to first and foremost minister unto him. Hence, if we have no heart to minister to him, don't be deceived. We cannot truly have a heart to minister for him. The idea that I'm going to live basically prayerless, amen, or I'm not going to talk to Jesus or pray through, or have real communion with God, and then, you know, go drive up to Ole Miss and step out of the van, and God is going to anoint me and give me something to say, amen, to the heathen. This is arrogant in the extreme. Arrogant in the extreme. Over the years, you know, I've seen training people, discipling, especially street preachers, amen, people are eager to go and eager to speak, but not so eager to wait or to pray, amen. I can remember when I first started preaching at um, Free Speech uh, Alley there. and That was, again, an event, not a place. It was in the place they call Free Speech Alley now, but it was known as an event. It was every Wednesday for about two or three hours. It began in the afternoon, and they had a moderator there and uh, you would sign up, and they would give you 10, 15 minutes uh, to speak, and then we would stay after and, uh, and preach as well after uh, Free Speech Alley was dismissed. Sometimes there would be hundreds of people there. But uh, the two twins, uh, the guys that I preached with, 
We would go out at night and pray hours every night leading up to that to speak for 15 minutes. Amen. We were very nervous. We were very conscious of an inadequacy. And we understood that we would you know, have no effect Amen. If we aren't anointed by the Spirit of God. I told the story recently, and I've told this to uh, some of my children as far as music in the church that I was in, and some of the uh, the women there that would sing, or, or men or whomever, they would sing a special. Some of them would fast and pray, amen, for days just to minister for a few moments. Amen. This is the right mentality. This is the understanding that if I don't possess the anointing of God's spirit and the blessing of God's spirit, I'm going to do little good at all. Amen. If we have little or nothing to say to God, then rest assured. Amen. We have little or nothing to say for him. Matthew 10 and 27, Jesus said, what I tell you in darkness. In other words, amen, what you receive from me in secret. What you hear from me in the closet when no one else is around. Amen, that speak ye in the light. And what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. We cannot shout what we do not hear. And remember, uh, you know, I brought this up many times, that articulate speech is contingent on the ability to hear. Those who lose the ability to hear, amen, soon lose the ability to talk. Amen, the first, amen, order of things is for you to hear from God yourself. If you're not hearing from God yourself, you've got nothing to say. Nothing to say at all. Listen, say, when the prayer meeting is seen as boring, when it's lost its appeal, when prayer is laborious or difficult, the question is not, am I qualified to evangelize? Am I qualified to preach the gospel? But rather, who will God send to evangelize me? Think about it. Jesus' sacrifice upon Calvary made it possible for us to have communion with God. Do we arrogantly squander such a privilege? Is there a greater privilege or benefit that the gospel would afford us than fellowship with God? Do we preach to others, honor the cross, while we neglect its loftiest benefit, its greatest blessing? Are we so spiritually blind that we assume we can urge sinners to repent and establish a viable, dependent relationship with God via Christ while we carelessly squander the opportunity ourselves? Isn't that hypocrisy? Isn't that inconsistent in the extreme? Of course it is. Jesus affirmed the scriptural concept of God's church as marked by devotional spirit, amen? My house shall be a house called a house of prayer. Amen. In other words, when people come amongst us, when people uh, uh, experience, amen, uh, a confrontation by the church, they should be let these individuals walk with and know God. Amen. One of the defining characteristics of the new covenant is described in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 11. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. Doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, how long you've been born again. From the least to the greatest. According to God's word, in this covenant, you should know God. Amen. You should be walking with God. Amen. You should have that revelation of who God is and growing in the knowledge of God. What does reconciliation to God mean if it does not mean to be brought back into genuine and meaningful fellowship and communion with God? Furthermore, how can we reconcile sinners to a God that we barely know? Uh, you know, I remember I was pastoring for uh, so many years and I finally came to this conclusion, amen, that sadly, amen, I'm attempting to convince people to love a God that they don't even like 
Many times this is the case. People that refuse to seek God just for the joy to know him as who he is. Amen. It's impossible to convince people to love a God like that because they don't even like him. Moreover, we disesteem the command to pray at our own peril, for prayerlessness is sin. First Samuel 12 and 23, Samuel said, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Jesus spoke of the parable of the unjust judge, teaching us men ought always to pray and not faint. I get so discouraged praying, don't faint. Praying so hard for me, don't faint. So some people are just disposed to prayer, but not me. No, that's a lie. Don't faint. It's not going to be easy. It's just as Charlie said, you set your heart to pray through. The devil is going to fight you. But if you will persevere in faith and continue to believe and press on, then you'll receive grace to overcome. Next, what is our secret history with God? Jesus said, enter into thy closet, and thou shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. Mr. Raven Hill said, there are three persons living in each of us, the one we think we are, the one other people think we are, and the one God knows we are. You know, everything can be reduced. Mr. Raven Hill said, no, no individual, no man is greater than his prayer life. That's the truth. No church is greater than its prayer. Everything can be reduced to that altar. What you are, what I am before God, amen, all the theatrics outside, all the public, everything can be reduced to our secret history with God. What we are in reality is defined before God in secret at that altar. No one will escape that spiritual absolute. Thus, the man who desires to represent Jesus Christ in evangelism must see the absolute necessity to establish a private altar before God. The man who neglects or shuns secret prayer will never be able to truly stir up the gift of God. If we fail in the ministry of prayer, we will never be effective in a ministry of evangelism. As one wise sage said, giants in prayer are discovered in public, but they are made in private. A shunned altar essentially is the root of an empty heart. As Mr. Bounds so bluntly stated, the men of preaching hearts, only preachers of prayerful hearts. Sadly, many times men are all ablaze to preach to sinners, but hesitant to intercede for them. This ought not be the case, amen? We must see preaching doesn't hinge on intellectual prowess, it doesn't hinge on eloquence or oratory skill. No, it stands or falls alone on the ground of the anointing. I've seen all sorts of preachers. I have preached on the street with all sorts of men. I've been with men of varying degrees of giftings, and God can use one uh, very strongly in one way and use another, amen, in another way. But I've never seen anyone, amen, that was effectual in anything in the Spirit unless they were anointed by the Holy Ghost. It's always the one consistent characteristic uh, that God, uh, you know, uses someone, it's because they're anointed. You may uh, run into someone who has great uh, ability to explain or to apply. Another may uh, have wonderful arguments memorized. Others can quote the Bible like no one else. But all of the individual that God truly uses is anointed. That's why that needs to be the primary thing for those of you who are going to take the gospel into the street. Amen. And really, listen to me. For you ladies evangelizing your children through homeschooling, that's what that is, basically, the Great Commission teaching them evangelism. You're not going to be effectual if you're not anointed. 
ministry at any level, doing anything, you need to be anointed by the Holy Ghost. We can never be anointed if we refuse to walk closely with the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Mr. Bounds said, it is not great talents that God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. I've worked with many different preachers, been around several different pastors. Without exception, those who had divine authority or consistently had it were men of prayer. And those who didn't, you could tell. They somehow lightly esteemed prayer or thought they could avoid or evade that obligation to pray. They could bypass the altar and be anointed. They may say things that are true. They may construct, amen, convincing sermons that appeal to the intellect or to the emotions, amen. But without the anointing of the Spirit of God, the sword will not penetrate the external. No, no. It's going to have to be sharpened in the Spirit, amen, to cut deep. Such men go on in their so-called ministry with little or no influence. Their preaching is often dry, clinical, even rehearsed. Preaching more from a head filled with knowledge rather than a heart filled with the Holy Ghost. Rather than a voice for God, they become an echo of a voice. Mere purveyors of secondhand revelation. Throughout the scriptures, we read declarations like in Ezekiel 1 and 3. The word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel. You know, we, we all repeat other people at times, amen? And, and that's a truth. But the essence of truly speaking for God demands that God literally speak through us. In other words, I've got something that God has given me to say. It's probably not going to be new, for there's not anything new under the sun. But there's a consciousness that God has set me apart. And God has given me something that I must communicate. I must deliver my soul. Woe be unto me if I don't preach what God has shown me. Amen. That's the essence of a man that has a word from the Lord. A man called of God realizes early on he must not rely on talent, on knowledge, or wit, or even zeal. All those things can be used by God under the anointing, but no one should rely upon that. Amen. That's why, listen to me, you find someone who's a stutterer like Moses. Find someone who's not, you know, naturally gifted. And more times than not, it'll be that individual, amen, if they'll give themselves to God that God will use because it's not of them, amen. It's of God Almighty, amen. It's imperative that we be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's absolutely essential that we remain filled with the Holy Ghost. If we're not filled with the Holy Ghost, we are not equipped to evangelize. We need to go tarry and wait. That's according to the word of God. To be sincere, to be honest, to be earnest, even to be zealous is not enough. God's presence, his tangible power, and unction must be upon us. And again, sometimes, you know, uh, I've seen again as someone who's preached for many years, a lot of times in the beginning, you, you walk by what you feel. And even though you're not supposed to walk by what you feel, that's, you know, the tendency, do I sense, you know, you may not always sense the tangible sense of God's anointing, but most of the time, you'll know, amen? I, I preached many messages that I thought, Amen, were absolutely terrible, and yet God was able to use that. Amen. And sometimes he removes 
uh, the, the tangible presence, where we're conscious of it just to test us, to see whether we're going to continue to walk on and be obedient. Nevertheless, I can tell you story after story where I was preaching at an abortion clinic or preaching on the campus or preaching on the street. They've been very conscious of the authority of God. Amen, there's something about that. Amen, where you since you could thrust the sword, you could rip a man's heart out in the spirit right in front of you, where you can sense that that thing, amen, that sword of the spirit is penetrating the heart, amen, that you know they're convicted, even if they say they're not, they are, because God's spirit is dealing with them, amen. That must be our experience in preaching the gospel. We must walk in the supernatural power Power of God, and that can never happen if we're unfamiliar with Him in prayer. The anointing, the unction, is only secured in one place. Again, Mr. Bounds said, Prayer, much prayer is the price of preaching unction. Prayer, much prayer is the one sole condition of keeping this unction. Without unceasing prayer, the unction never comes to the preacher. Without perseverance in prayer, the unction, like the manna overkept, breeds worms. One of the most difficult yet essential spiritual lessons we must learn is we are not God. Apart from Jesus, without exception, we will be reckless and hopelessly dangerous. If we're going to plan to preach, then we must also plan to pray. To do otherwise is to confess by our actions that we're adequate within ourselves to preach the gospel. But the book of Proverbs in chapter 28 and verse 26 says, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. May God deliver us from our blind self-sufficiency. We need to be bruised, crushed, and broken. And that only comes by the revelation of Jesus Christ. You're not, you're not going to know Jesus because you, you meditate, amen, uh, upon him. You're going to have to seek his face. You're going to have to receive revelation. And when you see revelation of who Jesus is, high and lifted up, amen, then you realize I'm a man of unclean. You're not going to, no human being is going to talk another human being into that position of humility. No, no. That only comes in the presence of God, of knowing without him, amen, I am ineffective. I have nothing within myself that's going to be effectual in preaching the word of God or even living the Christian life apart from walking with and relying, relying upon and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, a secret life of prayer will always reap an open reward. And this is what we're talking about in far, as far as public ministry. Amen. Spiritual influence and in thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. The key to open air ministry is a secret history with God. A very personal, private, and hidden experience where we pray through to the reality that God is. And you see, again, this is where no one knows. No one sees. No one's there with you. Not mother, father, brother, sister, husband, wife. That history, just like I said last week, it's like depositing in the bank. Amen? And as you walk with Jesus in secret, and as you pray through and you receive glorious revelation, do you know what I'm speaking about? You know about praying through and God in one moment? You, you say, I'm troubled in spirit. You know what you need to do? You need to pray through. I don't care what you face. You pray through, you can be troubled beyond imagination. And God just peek from behind the veil and his face shine upon. Instantly, the yoke is destroyed. Instantly, you receive word and instruction from God. This should be the normal experience of Christians that moment by moment and daily, they are praying through to the reality that God is. Just as Brother Charlie brought out this morning, 
I am. Amen. That's what you need to see. The God I am. And he will be I am whatever you have need of at that particular moment. It's in the secret place that God prepares you to minister tomorrow to the sinner. Yes, sir. Or to the saint. Or whatever situation you're going to face. God is always waiting to equip us if we'll simply seek his face. But you're not going to get that any other place. You're not going to get it here. You're not going to get it from someone preaching to you. You're not going to get it from someone praying for you. You're only going to get it if you're hungry for him personally. That's why really the ministry of the pulpit, if it's not urging and compelling people to seek God for themselves, then it is a failure. Amen? Because that's really the only way to walk in victory, in Christian victory, amen? No one else can go there for us. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's not gonna reward those that don't diligently, consistently, frequently seek him. Amen, that's what the Bible says. Do you believe that, amen? Now, you're not gonna get someone else to go. You're not gonna, uh, you know, piggyback on someone else's anointing. You can hang out with the most anointed individual. It's not gonna rub off on you. You're gonna have to hang out with Jesus. That's who you're gonna have to walk with to be anointed. May we embrace then this absolute as an immutable principle, our spiritual usefulness is always, without exception, linked to our secret history with God. Well, you know, I really don't have that much of a secret history with God, but I've talked to hundreds and I've talked to thousands of people about Jesus, and I've let you're deceived. You are deceived. But there's many people like that. Oh, but I've done this and I've done that and I've seen this. It may look like that to you. But if you don't have a secret history with God, you're doing nothing. First of all, you're deceiving yourself. And second of all, nothing but straw, hay, stubble. That's all it is. Amen. You've got to have the anointing. This is supernatural. Amen. Whatever takes place that's effectual of eternal value, Amen. It is divine. It is supernatural. And it cannot happen apart from God. We're not the exception. We'll not become spiritual by accident. We're not going to just stumble on this. We'll not just wake up one day with heavenly authority. If we are to speak for God instead of about God, we must pay the price. Think about it. Even with tongue and vocal cords, Human utterance is impossible apart from the intelligence of the human mind. Likewise, God's open revelation only comes to those who diligently secure his most intimate thoughts. Amen. There's something that God wants you to communicate. Amen. To that sinner. Amen. And if you don't get that thought, if you just replicate or you just mimic or parrot what you heard before or perhaps even got from God before, but if you don't give that word that God wants you to speak to that sinner, amen, then you can say anything else, amen, but you failed to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. That's for each of us. We only get that anointing, that word, in the secret place. Amen. The key to public ministry is a secret history with God. Would you stand? Amen. Would you come in these altars with a spirit of humility? I'm going to read to you something I've read many times before. Something that God gave me at a prayer meeting here many years ago. But just listen as you seek God here. The spirit of prayer is the single most telling indicator of the quality of spirituality we possess. If we have little heart to pray, if prayer is laborious, if it's difficult to enter in, to stir ourselves to intercede, supplicate, or worship, the ebb of spiritual life is wanting. If when we should be basking by faith in the presence of God, we tend to be restless, 
unfocused, or God forbid, bored, then we are in grave danger indeed. We dare not be deluded into believing we are spiritual or even secure if ours is the case. Sadly, religious activity is often mistaken or substituted for true spirituality. It's often used in vain, a vain attempt to appease a condemned conscience or soothe a dried and drifted spirit with a counterfeit balm of dead works. The prayerless are sometimes unconsciously driven to bustle about, to stay busy, to keep moving, lest they experience an uncomfortable moment in the presence of an unfamiliar God. If we freely talk to men, but are discomposed before God, let us not be self-deceived. We are in very deep trouble. If we are busy but barren, active yet aloof, perhaps it's time to step aside, stop, and press back into God's presence. We need to return to our first love, casting ourselves afresh on the rock of Christ, lest the fires of the holy altar be extinguished. Would you ask him for grace, grace to pray. Amen. If we'll walk with God, then we'll have faith in the situation, amen, that we're in. You know, a lot of times you don't have time to pray over a particular situation. But if you daily pray through, then when you're faced with anything, amen, you have the word of the Lord. And if you don't pray, then you go out to try to witness to someone. You know, your conscience is there to to test. you, You know, you're playing a game. You haven't even prayed, but you're trying to minister can't live like that, amen? If you walk with Jesus and hear his word. Not, you know, whether you're a preacher or not, to be a Christian, you need the word of the Lord, amen? You need to know what God's mind is in every situation and to walk intimately with him. That only comes through prayer. Amen. I'm not anointed because I deserve to be anointed. I never think, you know, I don't deserve to be anointed, ever, because of what Jesus has done. Amen, at Calvary, he'll anoint me if I seek, amen. But I've got to walk with him. I've got to know that. I have to have marching orders, amen, from God. I'm, I am speaking for him. I can't speak for him or represent him. I can't be an ambassador for Christ unless I walk with him and know his mind, amen? Praise God. May God help us to seek his 